This year we're talking about good news in four letters. We're studying four particular epistles to understand good news. And, and again, we all believe in something that's good. All of us have what, what the Bible would call a gospel. The, the word gospel means good news. And, and by now, those of you who are regulars, you can probably say this with me, why it's so important that we know what our gospel is, because the gospel we believe determines what? So the gospel you believe, whatever you think is best and true and right, well, that's going to determine the life that you live. But the Bible speaks of a specific gospel, the gospel of God. And, and the gospel is the power of God to rescue us from the power and punishment of sin so that we have peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. And this peace is something we're meant to experience. And so we're studying the book of Galatians. And my prayer is that every, every Sunday and then throughout the week, that, that what you've heard preached is not only impacting your head, but also your hearts and your hands. To experience something is to have your head, your hearts, and your hands engaged in what is true. And so we're walking through Galatians. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, why don't you go ahead and take it out and go with me to Galatians chapter four. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one right in the pew in front of you. Let me encourage you to use it. If you don't own a Bible, take it with you. We've got more. We've been talking through uh, what it means to experience the good news of God, experience the gospel. And so today we want to talk about experiencing freedom. Our text today is going to show us what it means to experience freedom. Now, Paul's language in this is, again, very passionate. It's also pretty technical. And so I want to go ahead and give you a heads up. There, there's, there's a lot of nuance in here that requires some level of understanding of, of Old Testament. And I'm going I'm to make you aware of this, but we're not going to go into that didactically. I, I want to make sure that we get the point. And the point is, is that by the gospel of God, we are free from heavy, from the heaviest burden. Uh, if, if you've lived long enough, you know what it is to be under a burden. Uh, some of you are under a heavy burden right now, a physical pain. In, in our congregation, we, we have folks that are struggling. Uh, it may be with a tooth, it may be with migraines. We have uh, the, the one that I'm most sensitive to is the one with back pain. If you've ever had back pain, you know how debilitating that is. But some of you know what it is to have debilitating pain and there to be something that, that surgery or something that's, that heals it. Maybe you are healed and all of a sudden you're under that, you're, you're free from that burden. Some of you know what it is to be under a burden of, of needing to know information. Maybe you're waiting for a test score to come back. I know our, our, our college students had their midterms and some of them are anxiously awaiting what is the grade. Uh, some of you know what it is to, to have a, a medical need and they said, hey, we're running those tests. We'll get those back to you in the next week or two and you think we can send a person to the moon but we can't get my test scores today you know and that burden that weight of, of what's going to happen or maybe maybe financial maybe maybe you've gotten yourself uh, at times in a situation where there's there's more that's got to go out than what's coming in and there's a burden and there's a weight but but to be able to come all out from under that weight to be able to come out to get the information to to be able to be free from that financial burden to be free from that pain there there's there's something that happens to you when that legitimately occurs and it's gratitude when you when you're when you're free from a serious, heavy burden. The, the, the one thing that, that comes out always is gratitude. You're grateful. What we're seeing in our text in Galatians in particular and what we're gonna see today is that these folks were not grateful for Jesus. 
And if I'm honest, I was very convicted this week because I find in my own heart there are times when I'm not grateful. When, when I begin to assume upon the gospel, I, I get comfortable with the gospel. I get comfortable with the fact that I'm not going to hell. I get comfortable with the fact that the Holy Spirit uh, 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 lives in me, that I'm a part of an eternal family. I, I begin to get comfortable with, with this reality of these gifts and I cease to be grateful. And we got to be very careful because that, that lack of gratitude, it's in our family church line. You think about when Israel when they were freed from Egypt, they go through the, they go through the Red Sea. The, the, the Pharaoh's army is destroyed, but within a matter of weeks, what are they doing? They're grumbling. They're complaining. You, you think about King David. Here he was given victory over all of his enemies. This, this shepherd boy, this nobody, that on the day that Samuel showed up to their house to anoint the king, he wasn't even allowed in the room. He was not even thought of for consideration. They had to go and get him, they had to go find him. And yet here he was now, the king of Israel, having had victories over all these, these enemies that, that seemed uh, unconquerable, and yet they were conquered. But what does he do? Is he grateful? No. He, he kills his a good friend and, 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 and marries his wife after adultery. And I, why? He wasn't grateful. James and John, the, 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 the brothers of Zebedee, the brothers of thunder, here they were. They were, they were called to be disciples of Jesus, but was that enough? No, no, no. They had to be at the right hand and the left hand. They had to be vice presidents of the kingdom of God because they were so important and so great. And, and, and why is that? There was no gratitude. They weren't grateful. So here these Galatians are and, and these churches, what are they doing? They're belittling Jesus. What they're in, in essence saying is, you know, Jesus is nice, but what's really important is what I can do. What really matters is, is that what, what I can accomplish, and I may need a little Jesus, but you know, I, I'm superior and I, you know, I'm, I'm better. And whenever you think that way, whenever you, whenever you don't trust in Christ alone and, 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 and faith alone, to the glory of God alone, here's what you're doing. You're basically saying, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm pretty good and I really only need a little Jesus. And that's not true, that's a lie. The truth is we need all of the greatness of the glory of Jesus and all that he's done. And when we really experience that, there is a freedom that produces a gratitude. And so as we're looking at our text today, I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict us of, of, of what Christ has done, what it means to be his. So you've got your Bible and, and hopefully it's open to Galatians chapter four. Uh, let's all stand together in honor of God's word and let's go to verse 31. Our little reader, usually I have, those of you who guess, I usually have uh, someone read scripture for me because um, I'm a slacker, I guess. I don't know, but... I'm gonna have to do double duty today. Y'all pray for me. I'm gonna have to read my own scriptures now. Um, we're, we're gonna cover a lot, God willing. We're gonna go from uh, 421 to, to, I believe, 515. But we're just gonna, I'm just gonna read two verses and it's the, really the, it's the crux of it. So let's go to verse 31 of chapter four. I'm gonna read that in, in, in five verse one. It says, so brothers, we're not children of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Now, Paul uses an Old Testament story and he quotes 
a prophecy. And, and again, I want to be real careful not to make this um, a, a, a seminary lecture for you. I, I want to be careful that, that we don't get caught down into the details that we miss the point. And here's the point is that for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we have an unbelievable freedom. We have a freedom that is like nothing else that the world can provide. But, but, but do we appreciate it? And do we recognize it? Do we understand what we've been freed from and what we've free, been freed to? Uh, this week I was convicted of how little I, I, I think about the freedom I have. Friends, I, I, I'm saved. And, and what that means is, is that I, I, am, I am not going to hell. I, I deserve it. But I've been given mercy. I'm not going to get what I deserve. Instead, I'm getting grace. I'm getting what I don't deserve. I have freedom from the punishment, the eternal punishment that my sin deserves. And more than that, I have the living God in my life and in my heart. And he loves me and he's with me and he's for me. But if I'm honest, so many times I, I don't seem to appreciate it. And I think it's because I forget just as these Galatians forgot what a big deal this is. And what it is Christ has done. And so I want to call us to be cautioned and, and to care about what it is this freedom does. Freedom from and freedom to. So I've got two couplets that I want to share with you. There's, there's one that says free from and free to. And the next one says free from and free to. And the first one is this. The gospel. The gospel frees believers from self-destruction. From self-destruction. Here in verses 21 through 25... Paul warns that we need to think through our desires. So look at verse 21 with me. He says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, one by a free woman. But the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for, for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is... Mount Sinai in Arabia, she corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. That, that verb there, desire, in verse 21, you might want to underline that, I did, Thelantis, it indicates this aspiration of theirs was a mere act of self-determination. Uh, they, they, they were thinking to themselves, I'm not that bad. As a matter of fact, I, I'm good enough to deserve salvation. Here's what the false gospel they were being taught. In order to receive salvation, first you got to be good enough to get it. You got you to live out some, some standards that, that the Jews have known. And, and, and if you can live up to the standards, well, then maybe you're savable. And, and in essence, what they were doing is they were belittling the seriousness of their sin and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and thinking way more of themselves than they should and, and, and entrusting in their own self-determination. And see, what happens when you, when you rely on self-determination, it always leads to self-destruction. It always leads to self-destruction because, because of, of what happens to us when we rely on ourselves, And so it's, it's here allegorically laid out. Let me, let me explain what he's talking about. So I put this on the screen for you. Abraham had two sons that represent two covenants. Now, the first is by Ishmael, Ishmael by Hagar, a slave woman, which was based on God's law. The second was Isaac by Sarah, a free woman, which is based on God's promise. So what's Ishmael? Ishmael represents what a human being can do in and of himself. 
God had promised Isaac, hey, I'm going to blast the whole world through you. But he was getting old. And, and yet there was, there was no heir. And so his wife and he decided, we got to take matters into our own hands. We can't trust God. We've got to do it ourselves. And, and so they went outside of the promise of God and they trusted in themselves. And what, did they, what, what was produced? Ishmael, an enemy of God's people for all time. But God kept his promise because he's faithful. And what we see is the, in the birth of Isaac is the birth of a miracle. I mean, here, here is a child that was born to aged parents. I mean, you know, I'm 50 years old and the idea, and I know I don't look 50, but I am. <laughs> you know, I think about 50 years old, man, having children, that'd be rough. Brother was 100. I mean... Here's what we know. That was a miracle. <laughs> a miracle of God. And, and that's the point. Is that naturally, when we act in and on ourselves with self-determination, it leads to the Ishmaels of the world. It leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to blessing. What, what leads to blessing? Faith. Trust. See, what happens when we rely on ourselves and reason why it goes to destruction is, is because we are to God, we are a precious mess. And, and, and what happens when we, when we trust in ourselves, two bad things. One, we're limited by what we can do. And secondly, we're trapped by the consequences of our actions. We're limited by what we can do. We're, and we are limited. I mean, we've been made in the image of God. Don't get me wrong. And there's capacity here in this room, but it's always tainted by sin. It always limits us. And then there's the consequences of it. You know, children have the dexterity and understanding, at least, of how to pour milk. But left to themselves, what do they do? Let's, let's watch this together. I can't do it. Uh-oh. That's us. I can do it. I, I can pour it out. I can make it work. Uh-oh. Yes. That's so us. Yes. Look how good I've done. Mess all over the place. Clean up for, for who knows how long. Going to be smelling that in a few weeks. What is that? sour smell in here that's us we we we're when we trust in ourselves we're limited in what we can do and we can do some good we can get a little bit in the cup but we're gonna spill a lot that's what sin is it's missing the mark and, and not only are we limited by what we can do now, now we're trapped by the consequences now, now there's there's a weight of a problem that is there that we can't overcome the reality is we're a precious mess we're precious because God loves us. But friends, we are a mess. We are sinners. But God. But God stepped in. But, but God has provided the way. But God has given us a new life. This God who is, who is supernaturally born, Jesus Christ, who, who is like Isaac, one that was born supernaturally to prove that this one is from God and this is God's plan and God's purpose. It's God's provision. And that's the second part of that first couplet. The gospel not only frees us from, but it frees us to experience divine provision. Divine provision. 
When Abraham trusted God, God's miraculous provision was experienced. And when we trust in the gospel of Jesus, we're set free. And we get new life. And it's, it, it's an amazing life. First thing to know about this life is that, that it is supernatural. Look at verse 26. He says, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now, I know it's like, pastor, what does that mean? Let me tell you what's going on. He's quoting Isaiah 54. It's a quotation of Isaiah 54. Go back and read Isaiah 54, the first few verses. And here's what point he's making. He's going back to this whole idea of, of what it is we're going to trust in. And he says, you're not like the so-called uh, fruitful woman. You're not like the one who seemingly can produce what is necessary. No, no, you're the barren woman. You're the one who can't save yourself. You're the one that can't produce a holy life. You're the one that, that can't produce eternal life in and of yourself. But you have one who has loved you and you have one who has chosen you and you have one who is now alive in you that is bearing supernaturally the fruit of God in your life. And I know there are some who say, well, where? Where's the supernatural fruit? Why aren't I experiencing more miracles in my marriage? Why aren't I experiencing the, these constant mountaintops, these things I read about in the Bible? Friends, let me ask you this. How much are you honestly trusting God? I mean, we want these miracles. We want these transformations. But we're trusting in ourselves. What we can do, what we can figure out, what we can make. When the things that we need only come by trusting God. You know, you know here we are. We're in the midst of a storm. Who's stepping out of the boat like Peter? Who's the one who's saying, Lord, call me out. I'll go. See, I'm afraid a lot of God's people are sitting in the boat complaining about the storm when God is calling them to step out in faith and to do a, be a part of his miracle happening in the world. Now, someone says, yeah, but Peter sunk. Hey, look, we're never going to do this perfectly right. That doesn't mean that we don't do it. We, don't, we are to step out by faith. And we are to trust in what God can produce and realize that, yes, this, this supernatural, miraculous life, as soon as you start living it, here's what you can anticipate. Persecution. Persecution. Look what it says in verse 28. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh, he's talking about Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So it is now. And, and if you know the story of Ishmael and Isaac, when, when Isaac was, was young, Ishmael persecuted him, mocked him. And, and what's the apostle saying here? It's still happening today. That those who want to live by the flesh are mocking those who want to live by the spirit. And what was happening is these Judaizers had come to, to, to Galatia and they're saying, it's not enough to trust in Jesus. You, you guys are weak. You guys are tired. Y'all need to step it up. You need to, you need to keep all these laws before you're even saved. What are they doing? They're persecuting those who are choosing to live by the spirit. And so it is then, so it is now. Teachers, if you're going to go to school and stand for Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. We're going to be doing some training here in a month or so to help you with that. Those of you who, who are university professors, those of you who are, who are in hospitals, your nurses, you're going to be, if you're going to stand on the faith, if you're going to be a light in the darkness, here's what you should anticipate. Persecution. They're not going to appreciate it. Here's what they're saying to us. Be quiet. Don't share your hope. 
As a matter of fact, a young man said this to me recently. I want to quote him accurately. He said, he said that he felt it was inappropriate and even rude to try to convince others of their faith system. And I said, that's, that's amazing. So you feel like it's inappropriate and rude? He said, yeah. I said, well, then why are you doing it? He said, what do you mean? I'm not doing that. I said, of course you are. You're saying that your faith system demands that everyone be silent. You have a faith system that demands silent. I have a faith system that demands proclamation. Who's right and who's wrong? Who are you to demand that I follow your faith system? I believe you're wrong. And the very thing you're telling me I must do is the very thing you are doing. Friends, if we're going to be the light, we're going to be persecuted by the darkness. So it was then, so it will always be until the Lord returns. But, but in the midst of all that, it, there's inspiration. So what is it? Look at verse 31. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. And that's it. We are free. We are free to experience all that God has and all that God does. And there's a delight and a joy that makes us grateful. Let's go to the second couplet. Second thing we're saved from and to. The gospel frees believers from self-deception. From self-deception. Verse 1 through 12, there's a lot here, okay? And I don't want to get into the mechanics of what's happening. I do want to focus on the cause and the effect, okay? So here's the cause. The cause of the problem was that the Galatians had been deceived. What was the effect? They were wallowing in self-deception. That's what happens at the fall. There was deception. There was this cause of this lie that was brought out and that law, lie was believed and it created this self-deceived life. So Genesis 3, 7 through 8. Let's look at this quickly. After they had been deceived by the serpent, what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What, what happens when we start thinking that we, we can do it on our own? We run from God. When we start thinking we can produce the outcome of our life that's necessary, we don't need the supernatural, we can be the natural, we can make it happen, we can earn it, we can accomplish it. We, we turn away and we run from God and we, we sew our fig leaves on and we think we got ourselves covered. Heads up, you don't. We gotta be so careful, friends, that we're not deceived. Look in verse eight. Striking. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. This persuasion, this deception, this is not from God. What these people are telling you, it's not true. It's a false gospel. He says plainly, verse one, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm there. Therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He says, well, what happens if I do? Look in verse four. And this is a misunderstood verse, so I'm gonna explain it. Verse four, you are severed from Christ, you, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. This does not mean that they've lost their salvation. What it means is that they're missing the blessing of what grace brings because they're running from God and pursuing what they can accomplish in and of themselves. You know, my dad died 27 years ago today. And I love my dad. And um, he loved me. He, he let me get away with way too much. But I remember one time he did it. I remember one time he did it. And he did what a good dad should do. I, I'd gotten in a, a lot of trouble, a lot. I wasn't saved. 
And so uh, it was time for me to get my license. And he said, we're going to put a hold on that. And I said, dad, you, you don't punish me. You wink at me. You tell me it's going to be okay. You tell me, go, don't tell your mother. You, you, you let me. And he said, no, not this time. He said that an automobile is a weapon. And if I can't trust you in this, I'm not going to trust you with that. And that's what God, the father says to us, his blood bought children adopted by his grace. He says, I want to bless you. But if you're going to trust in yourself and what you can come up with and what you think and what you want to do, rather than what God's word has said and what the father has commanded and what the father wants, well, I, I can't give you what the father can give. See, we have to choose here. And that's the point the apostle is making here. He's saying, look, don't trust in you. Don't, if you do, you're going to be severed from, from grace. You're going to fall from grace. You're going to miss out on what God can provide. It doesn't change your relationship. He was still my dad. He still loved me. We were still blood kin, but I wasn't enjoying the favor. And so it is for those of us who claim Christ, but don't walk in the spirit, who don't live out this life in dependence upon him. We miss out on what he's given us, the greatest thing he's given us. And what is that greatest thing? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us it's not faith and it's not hope. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest, what is the greatest? The greatest of these is love. So there's, there's what he saves us to, write it down. The gospel frees believers to experience divine affection. Divine affection, this love. When we receive God's love, we are free to give God's love. Look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, remember what love is. We talked about this last week. If you weren't here, go back and listen to it. We spent a lot of time on this. Love is, is, is giving. Desire is seeking to get. Our culture has confused love with desire. And love is love, but love is not desire. And what, what, what happens when we desire? Let, look at verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. That's what happens in a culture that doesn't live by love, but by desire. We consume each other. We devour each other. We take from each other. And we will only be in a relationship so long as we are getting out of that what we want. We only, we're only engaged as so long as I'm getting what I desire out of this. As long as my needs are being met, I can stay married. As long as my needs are being met, I can stay in the church. As long as my needs are being met, I, I can stay in this relationship. That's not the way of Christ. The way of Christ says, so long as I can love you and, to, and serve you and to give what God has given to me, I am, I, am, I am at peace. And you know, there's never a time when you are not free to love. And that's the blessing. That's what we're, that's what we're free to, to experience divine affection. And it's amazing when we love how it heals marriages, how it heals those difficult parenting relationships, how it heals broken friendships. There's a power in love that desire can't accomplish. As God's people, we're free to live out this, this love and it makes us grateful. I'm afraid what we've done is we've made, we've made, 
let me say it, let me, let me confess. I don't want to speak for you. I'm afraid I've made too little of Jesus in my heart. I'm afraid I've grown too comfortable with the death, burial, and resurrection of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'm afraid I've grown way too complacent in my affections toward him and all he loves. Because I don't have what I believe is a proper amount of gratitude. There was a czar, his name was Nicholas I of Russia. And Nicholas had a, had a custom of going amongst the soldiers. He put on a uniform of a regular soldier. Years before, he had, he had appointed a, a son of a friend into a post in the, in the economic part of, of the War Department. And he loved this guy. And so he wanted to go to where he was stationed and he wanted to see what was going on. What he didn't know is that this young man had gotten in trouble. And no one knew it but the young man. See, he had been responsible for finances and he had a gambling problem. And he had gotten himself into some gambling debts and he had used government money to pay off those debts. And he didn't get caught. So guess what he kept doing? He kept stealing from the government and he kept raising, trying to get out from the debts he owed. And it just kept building more and more in debt, more in debt. And he got word that they were going to do an audit and he knew what they were going to find. He tried to do the books. He tried to scrounge some money together and he realized it would take more than a lifetime to pay off what I've stolen. So he, he wrote on a piece of paper, who could pay such a great debt? Question mark. And then he got a gun and he determined at midnight that night he was going to take his own life. Well, it was a warm night and he fell asleep. And Nicholas I happened to be there. He went to his room and he saw this man asleep, saw the gun, saw the money, saw the papers, saw the note. At first he was angry and he thought, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to let this young man feel the weight of his sin. But then he thought about how he loved him. So he took that piece of paper and he wrote where it said, who can play, pay such a great debt? He wrote Nicholas I. He took the gun. The next morning, the young man woke up. He couldn't see the gun. He saw the piece of paper. He saw who could pay such a great debt, Nicholas I. He found out that money had been sent that early that morning to pay all the debts. And he was free. Friends, our king came in and put on a soldier's uniform into our world. And there was a debt that none of us could pay and he paid it in full. Friends, are we grateful for that? See, I think if we were grateful for that, we'd talk about it all the time. I think we'd pray like it all the time. I think we'd love like it all the time. Let me ask you. Are you grateful? Do you love? Do you, do, do you talk about it? Are you excited? Or have you lost that, that heart? I had to confess this week, and maybe this week, you, this morning, you, do, you need to as well. Maybe you need to understand this love. Maybe you need to talk about how you can receive the benefit of what Christ has done. We're going to have care leaders here at the front. We'll have folks out in the hall. 
But it may just be that you just need to tell Jesus this morning on your knees, I'm sorry, I, have, I think way too little of you and way too much of me and I'm sorry. And you need to make that right. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, you know us, you know us better than we know ourselves. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, you're bringing to many what you've brought to me, which is an awareness of complacency and apathy towards your great grace, thinking way too much of myself and the things of this world and way too little of what you've accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so I pray that there'll be some today who will come and talk with leaders about the, the new life they wanna have that, that only can be be found in this miracle of new birth through Jesus. And I, I pray for those of us who have been born again that we will confess our complacency, our apathy, our arrogance, and that we would be renewed, that we'd step out of that boat, that we'd step out in faith and we would choose persecution. We would choose love, to give love and to delight in the miracle of the life that you bring. You're worthy, God. So we're gonna praise you now, but, but convict us challenge us, encourage us, help us to live, to experience head, heart, and hands this freedom in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and pray. Come talk to a leader as you need.